0: You're listening to The Whole Podcast with Becky Alcantar, And this season, we are talking about marriage. Do you remember your marriage vows? Every ceremony, depending on your faith background, probably went something like this. I take you to be my lawfully wedded spouse, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. According to God's holy ordinance, I pledge thee my faith. And each episode, we've been breaking down each portion of those vows with our guests. And today we are talking about, I Pledge Thee My Faith. Our guests today are the one and only, Sean and Sunny Hennessy. Welcome guys.
1: Thanks. Hello. We are the
0: one and only <laughs> the two and on only. the earth. <laughs> Tell us about <laughs> yourselves. How long have you been married? Uh, what does life look like, family look like today?
1: He's nodding at me to go first. So uh, I'm Sunny and... Sean and I have been married 26 years. I think it's very fitting that we just recently did a marriage conference with you. Mm -hmm. We're guest speaking at that. And it hit me in preparing for it that we were exactly uh, 13 years was our first marriage Mm -hmm. and 13 years was our current marriage, which it's like we're living different lives in marriage. It's that much different Mm -hmm. from doing journey to wholeness, basically, and getting whole and healthy. And it's just crazy that it's 13 and 13. So we've been married 26. 26 years and two children.
2: Two kids. We have an 18-year-old son, Isaiah, a 17-year-old daughter, Aubrey. And they, Aubrey has already graduated from high school because she finished online. So she did two and one. And Isaiah graduates June the 16th. And I don't know how to process that because yeah. we're about to become
0: empty nesters
2: empty nesters mm. and I had some thoughts I won't share them right now but I had some thoughts when during the marriage conference you were talking about uh, when you make this idea of celebrating your own holidays mm. and mm-hmm. kind of separating away from your hit parents hit me too
0: different perspective now right I don't like the advice we yeah. gave yeah <laughs>
2: I don't don't like the thought of them not coming back, Mm. not to get off in the weeds. Mm. I'll I'll just tell you now.
0: No, (laughs) I'm
2: good This is good. Um, It's not that I don't want them to come back. Mm -hmm. But I thought, what if we were proactive as parents? Mm. So you have this pressure when you're newly married to come back to your parents' house for Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. And, and then the kids get mad and the in-law kid really gets mad because everybody wants to go to their own parents' house or nobody wants to go to either parents' house. Yeah. And so I thought, what if we just started making plans for our holidays without them?
1: Heck yeah, we love each other so much. And they'd be like,
2: they'd be like well, there's no I pressure. We can, can we
1: come? come for
2: <laughs> well, I just figured you guys would have your own thing going on because you got married and now you're your own thing. And so I just thought that, you know, your mother and I we're going to Malta.
1: Over yes. <laughs> they be like, can we're I We're going to Thailand to... with yeah. little elephants.
2: <laughs> and I just thought, I don't know, I've literally never thought about that until. I thought about the pressure that we felt when we were Mm, newly married. And then I wonder if it's like reverse psychology to go, then they're like, well, hey, listen, I want you to know we're not building our plans around you. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I've been waiting for my kids to get out. Mm -hmm. I love my kids. And I'm having a a troubling time thinking about my kids not being home. I'm thinking about walking by their bedroom and them not being there. That's sad Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, listen, I'm not an old head. Like Mm I'm, I'm, I got a lot of life left in me and we lived quite a while married before we had kids. So now I look at that and I go, okay, yeah, now now we got some stuff that we get to do mm-hmm. on our own yeah. that we don't have to think about who's coming home when and they're running late and I don't, you know. So our now,
1: conversation doesn't have to be about them.
2: Exactly. So yeah. I'm a little I know bit, it will. I'm a little bit excited right. about this idea of after... Twenty-six years of now, maybe this is part three. Mm. Yes, right. So now we we let's let's circle back when we've been married thirty-nine years.
0: Yeah, I, mm. I actually, as you were talking, I was thinking about how you personally talk about, you know, the thirds of our life. And mm. Moses had the thirds, and really, Ooh. you're entering okay. into this third, right? And the first one was like all the hard work, Ugh. like all of the things that you had to like figure out and work out and wrestle out. And then we get busy with kids. And I actually had this experience recently because our daughter um, is. 20 years old. And, you know, I'm kind of just circling back to like, wait, what were the things that I wanted to do and finish and accomplish? And I'm like, why did it take so long for me to get here? Well, I was busy. We were busy raising kids. Mm-hmm. And so um, thankfully we did the hard part in the beginning so that, yeah, it did affect our kids, um, but we did the work and now they're having a better experience um, because we were willing to engage in that work. But you're right. Like, but now, how does this look with both of us healthy, both yes. of us in communication? Like this is both like, of us in love. In like love. I think he's
1: hot. Yes. And <laughs> I think he thinks I'm pretty hot. We talked about that earlier. Um, yeah, like let's go be married, right? Yes. I don't want the mm-hmm. empty nest syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know that that's one thing that people talk about. Like the kids left, and we were so wrapped up in our kids, we don't even know each other. We don't.
0: Yeah, we don't so have anything to talk about. Easy to bypass mm-hmm. the work. So, what if you didn't? What if you started out with kids right away? And I know you guys have your story. because um, we wait. We waited. We were so young. I was um, nineteen, and husband was twenty one. And so we waited. We were like, we want to know each other. We want to spend time together. And ultimately, we needed to wait because there was a lot that we needed to work out uh, that was not functioning well in us, uh, particularly me, uh, but not just me. And so. I'm thankful that we waited because I think of the impact that would have had on them had we jumped into kids right away. Because then, again, it's easy to say there's just more important things. There's there's a whole new life that's dependent on me. And so we can actually stuff those things away. And I think that's what you're talking about, the emptiness of well, now that they're gone and we didn't work out these things and we were just focused on our kids and now it's just me and you. Mm-hmm. And the same issues that we had when we walked into this marriage are still there. And mm-hmm. so talk about like those first years, really, like what did you see at play in your marriage? We talk about, I pledge thee my faith. And not every marriage works out the 13 years of really hard stuff. Um, what was it that kept you in it? Um, how did that go Um and really, what were kind of like the big obstacles that you encountered that you really had to work through so that you could really be faithful and loyal to one another?
2: Keep that question in your mind, Pastor Sonny, because I think it's an interesting term, empty nest. Mm. When I think a nest, I picture an eagle. I mm. don't think the eagle misses the eggs when they're gone. Mm-hmm number one, eagles weren't meant to live in nests. Mm-hmm. They were meant mm. to fly. Yep. So they live in a nest for the season that they were required to be in the nest. Yep. And for the rest of the time, they were fulfilling their calling. And so I had a season where I was meant to be a hands-on father, where I was she was meant to be a hands-on mother. And it's not that the eagle stops being a a father or a mother to the eaglet, the eagle just becomes a real eagle. Right. And so, like Isaiah and I were having a conversation the other day, and we were talking about how I said, "Hey, remember, man? We used to go to Starbucks every Sunday mm-hmm. morning. Do yeah. you miss that time?" He goes, "Yeah, but like, do you remember that time that you and I became close because we were like, we were like buddies, like we are right now, and we Whoa. talk about normal stuff?" He mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, let's t- let's think about the season we're living in right now." Mm. And I Come was like, on, "Come my on, boy. little boy!" <laughs> and so I was thinking about this idea of too yeah. many people. Yes. Live in this identity of they lose themselves in parenthood. Mm-hmm. So I didn't stop being me mm-hmm. because I had Isaiah and Aubrey. I have mm-hmm. Isaiah and Aubrey, and they they added to my life. They supplemented me. But now I get to be the fullness of who I am. So once the ne- once the eggs are gone, yeah, then the eagle takes out, and he he becomes all that he was designed mm-hmm. and destined to be. That made him in his beauty. So like I've just begun to look at the emptiness thing a little bit differently that it isn't a burden to me that the, that the nest is empty. Mm-hmm. It is making room in my life right, for me To perform in the way that God called me to perform in this season of
1: my life. Yeah, it's so so funny because I also want to put off your (laughs) question because that made me think of something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're gonna answer our own questions. (laughs) You don't need a format. You guys are journeying yourselves in the process right now. (laughs) We're coming up with epiphanies. So the eagle. I also, you know, when you were talking, Becky, about the thirds and the first third of our marriage in particular, was us getting ourselves together and whole, which we did have kids and they were four and five when we were still idiots, like still just not seeking wholeness and health emotionally and spiritually. So they had to go through it up until four and five. I wish we would have had it figured out, then had kids. So then the second third of our life would be, we were such good examples to our kids. But what I will say is that you know, you always look back and think, oh, I have this regret and that regret. But I look back and I'm grateful Sean and I never quit being eagles as our kids watched us care for them in the nest. Now at times, and you you live with, man, I wish I would have not worked when they were younger and did I give them enough time? But frankly, I know that I got to get a, get them from school at three o'clock and mm-hmm. it was hard because I wanted to keep working and finish yeah. my day. But I I did get to do that. Sean did take them to school and we did spend very concentrated time with them, but we didn't quit being who we're meant to be. So, and I'm so grateful that we got healthy and whole. So the point of this is get healthy and whole no matter what third of your life you're right. in, because our kids both talk about their future marriage mm-hmm. and it's, And I think that that's because they look at ours. They also, Aubrey's right now going to get her theology and worship degree. Mm -hmm. That like, it hit me this morning as I was getting ready. I'm like, I don't know if it was God, like Sonny, do you understand what your daughter- is choosing to do. Like why yeah. do you just skim over that? Like well that's cool. No, like it's a really big deal, but that's because she doesn't look at what we did or what we do and think I don't want to have anything to do with it. Just like parents who are doctors and their kids become doctors. They did something right that their kids don't want to do the opposite. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's so good that you're pointing that out because I think there's this perception that if we don't have it just right and the impact it's going to have on my kids, we can never redeem that. Mm -hmm. And that is just like anti-God because God can redeem all things. And actually, uh, you know, I I went through the process as well, like you guys did when my kids were young. uh, And yet, like, man, there's nothing more uh, humbling than... I would call it the walk of attrition (laughs) that I would walk up to the rooms and tell them, hey, how that just went was not okay. Mm -hmm. And I was healing with them, which also taught them how to do that, how to play that out in their life. Uh, And I remember uh, just thinking, oh my goodness, I hope they don't remember some of these things <laughs> that happened where I failed, where I was still wrestling the things that I needed to wrestle down. And yet, because they were witness to that, they learned some skills. They learned to trust me. They learned mm-hmm. that when we have a disagreement or argument, that doesn't mean that our whole world is falling apart and we're mm-hmm. going to get divorced or that we're going to abandon them. It, it meant to them that, okay, now how are we going to go about resolving this mm-hmm. together as a family um, and and we're a team. And so, you know, uh, and again- And now you have
1: Risa following in your footsteps. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess
0: it worked. Amazing <laughs> to start seeing the transition from um, your children at home to them becoming young adults and then still wanting to have a friendship and relationship mm-hmm. with you. And so there's not that fear because again- we walk through it with them. There's not that fear that, well, they're gonna go and not wanna come back, but definitely it's a different perspective of, well, how's this gonna look? Cause there is going to be a loyalty shift mm-hmm. um, and how hard that was for us to actually get into, well, how am I loyal to my husband? Um, and how does that actually play out in our relationship? So you're wanting to get
1: back to the original no, question, what? Yeah, which, is, <laughs> which is good. Yeah. Yes. I think
2: if you live your life in health and loyalty as a couple, Yes. Mm-hmm. Then you would be disappointed if your kids didn't do that. I right. should be disappointed if Isaiah and Aubrey don't leave and cleave to their spouse. That right. then I did something out of air. I've I've broken biblical mandate that right. they should leave and cleave. And if I expect for them to be more loyal to me than they are to their spouse, mm-hmm. then I have something I need to journey through. Yes. And so the thing that we forget is we put so much pressure on ourselves as parents during our kids' formative years that we forget that they're also our formative years. Mm-hmm. We are forming ourselves as parents as they're forming themselves yes. as kids. Like when you have your first child, you don't know what to no. do. Like everything is... All of your patterns are forming. Like you go, who wakes up in the middle of the night? Mm-hmm. Do we nurse or do we use a bottle? Do we listen to my mom who told me, well, don't don't use Similac because Similac, you know, there's a class action suit, and mm-hmm. you got all of these different ears in your head, and you like you don't you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. But here's the crazy thing: we think that we improve with the second kid. But this is the first time we've ever had a second kid and the first time we've ever had a third kid. And so you've never had to balance having two kids and a baby. So Mm -hmm. every time you have a kid that comes along in your life, you have this new formative stage, but we expect ourselves. It's like the only area of life that we expect ourselves to be an expert while we're a Mm -hmm. novice.
1: And True. then wonder why we're disappointed in ourselves, And then we go down this spiral of, well, I didn't know any better. So I'm yeah. not even going to keep trying. Yeah. Well, of course you keep trying. And and the loyalty thing, I think the greatest gift, because we're talking for some reason, a lot about our kids, even though I know this is a marriage thing. I think the greatest gift we can give to our kids is to be loyal to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always said this, that our kids their whole life, mm-hmm. when they walk in the kitchen and their dad and I are kissing or hugging, ew. Mm-hmm. Bruh. But then they won't stop looking. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. then you could turn around and walk away, but they won't mm-hmm. stop looking and they're without without fail every single time. Yeah. Big grin on their face. Yeah. Because our our loyalty and our health, it they don't even know what they're seeing and feeling. It trickles down to to them knowing it's safe and it's secure. Mm. And so us being loyal to one another and putting each other first, we're more important than yeah and our kids are uh, to each other.
0: I love how you're highlighting some of the things that can happen when our loyalties aren't placed in each other, that it can dangerously be placed in our children and yes. the expectations that we have for them. So, you know, I know we're talking about kids, but I think this is really reassuring and referring for maybe some of our young couples who are just getting married and they're like, okay, what does it look like if my parents are healthy and how are they going to help mm-hmm. me or how, what they, have they established or helped me to learn about what a marriage looks like so that I put that uh, dependence and that my eyes to the right thing. So. If we don't, I mean, what you just named there was some some enmeshment um, where we're having expectations on another person to serve our own internal needs, but also some codependency in that we misapplied, we misdirected our dependency, which should be for our spouse, right? We become one to something else. And that can seem like a very... A good and noble thing, right? Oh, they're so uh, dedicated to their children. And it can even appear to be like, we're doing this all together until we have that moment where that's not there. Now, what demands are we placing on our children when they're trying to establish this? How are we sabotaging their relationships when we haven't actually learned what it is my role is as a parent versus what have I failed to establish in my marriage that that should provide for me? And, And now I'm at this crux, right? And I think that's where it's not so much a midlife crisis, but maybe mid marriage crisis where now the kids are off and we're finding that there's some unhealthy things that we had established. And that can be heartbreaking. It can really be um, disturbing and disruptive for us to now try to grapple with. Um, But really in Journey to Wholeness, we say every life transition is where you can experience uh, some trauma, a little T trauma, a big T trauma. But what are the transitions that you're going through in life right now that make you aware of some of the things maybe be that you have uh, set in motion in yes. your family that now you have the opportunity uh to crack the dial, to make an adjustment. And again, there it's never too late. Now you have this new season to actually take the time to do that. What do you need to engage in to do you that? You said as enmeshment.
1: Well? And I want Sean to really cause he he really came up with this. I take credit and we as a church get credit for the five priorities. So I think you should talk about that a bit, but I will say about the enmeshment, like I think, um, let me speak for mothers because you see this a lot. Mm-hmm. They made their kids their everything and they wear, wore that as their badge of honor. They wore it as their martyrdom. I gave up my dreams for you and, and like, the people that you say, they just need to cut the umbilical cord. A lot of times that stems from the mom, not so much the kid that's codependent. Right. So there's that. And, and that, uh, is because things are out of order. But if a mom who is loving that kid so much could just realize that the effects later on of that, could that be verging on an abusive relationship where right. you've abused the relationship of a mom and a child, which is supposed to and in the form it was right. right now isaiah and i are doing the um mother son disconnect yeah. and sean and aubrey have done the father daughter disconnect now it happens naturally but we fight it and we try to hold on yeah. and so i had a friend tell me you need to quit calling him baby because and it's just a pet name right like hey bug or hey baby What you? i love you have a good day baby and I'm like, yeah, that is. I mean, really, when you're outside of our house, that does sound kooky, right? Mm-hmm. But to me, it was just what it is. Or bug. Well, he's been my bug, but he's almost 19. And no wonder he's pushing away and rejecting me because right. psychologically he needs to. Yeah. But will you talk about the five and yeah. also that disconnect?
2: Well, I was going to say about the this loyalty thing because we are talking about loyalty mm-hmm. and faith. And, um there are three main familial relationships that we have in our life. If we have kids, otherwise there's two. Uh, Unless we stay single. Putting precursors on this. If you are married with kids, you have three main familial relationships. You are someone's child. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: You are someone's spouse. And you are someone's parent. There is only one Familial relationship you will ever have, where you chose who to be in that familial relationship with.
0: Right.
2: I didn't get to choose who my parents were.
0: Right.
2: And my kids didn't get to choose who their parents were. Now I love who my parents are, and I think my kids love who their parents are. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to be loyal to my mama, or I'm going to be loyal to my daughter over my wife, yeah. then I should have chose different. Mm. Mm. I should have waited a little longer or I right. should have prayed a little more. But this is the person who, when I saw her or f- when she saw him, made a decision, a conscious choice. God didn't make you marry that person. <laughs> right. Like I used to hate when I was in Bible school and they used to tell you that there's only one person for every person. And I, used mm. to, my analytical mind would go like all Stephen Hawking's on that. <laughs> like I'd be like, hold up now. What if in 1427, somebody married the wrong person? And then this domino effect happened. We've all been marrying the wrong person since because Jim made the wrong move in Bristol, you, England. Thinking infinity always. For real. I'm like, hold up. Now, I'm super glad this is the one I picked. But she is the one I picked. Yeah. And so at some point, you have to become mature enough to live with the decisions that you made. And I understand some people are crazy. But again, Mm. maybe you shouldn't have built your whole relationship around alcohol. yeah. Or you shouldn't have built your whole relationship around premarital sex. And you shouldn't have had a soul tie with that person. Like, it's just so many different layers to that. But at the end of the day, why would my loyalty be with somebody I didn't pick over somebody who I did? Mm. And so when you start talking about priorities, like I just had my priorities out of whack for a long time, and even as a parent. And so years ago, we did this sermon series called The Five, and the principle of it is is that we have to reprioritize our lives. And for me, there's more than five priorities, but there's five main priorities. And my number one priority, and everyone's number one priority, should be God. Mm -hmm. So, and I'll talk a little bit more about this dynamic a little bit later. My relationship with God should then be filtering down into all my other relationships, all my other relationships should be built upon the foundation of my relationship with God. And dependent upon how much you have girded that relationship, how much rebar and how much mesh Mm -hmm. you have put in that foundation will be predicated upon the strength of the things beneath it or above it. So if I have a mediocre relationship with God, I cannot have an incredible relationship with my spouse. It's not possible Mm -hmm. because that is the relationship that defines all relationships. So I have my relationship with God. Then I have, then my next priority is myself. And that sounds so self centered, but it's not. It's an, again, every relationship within this pyramid, if you would, they all build upon each other. And so if I'm unhealthy, it's impossible for me to have a healthy marriage. If I have an unhealthy marriage, it's mm-hmm. almost impossible for me to be a healthy parent yeah. right. because there's going to be some sort of trauma or wound. you may not see it, mm-hmm. but it, it may be it may be like a bruise. it may be an internal bleeding that mm-hmm. I've caused among my kids because they witnessed me be a bad husband so then my son, will naturally have a right. tendency to be a bad husband because he's going to subconsciously repeat what he saw. So it's God and then me, and then it is Sonny. Sonny is my number three priority. And I tell mm-hmm. my kids, I said, if we're in a, if the plane is going down and we got, and we got two parachutes, I love you. I'll see you in heaven. Mm-hmm. Your mother and I will see you in heaven mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, I can make more of you I can't make more of her. <laughs> and so-
1: You yeah, hope that never happens. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so th- my kids are a priority. Mm-hmm. They're just not as high a priority as Sunny. Right. So it's got me, Sunny, my kids, and then my extended family. I think I, at that point- after five, they can be negotiable. Mm-hmm. And I think after five, they change for me.
1: Yep, seasonally.
2: Six through 10 aren't always the same for me. And when you share that with a church, it's interesting to see their first reaction because <laughs> they're like, hold up. Because yeah. we're used to a pastor, you know, it's Pentecostals. Yeah. We're used to the pastor's priority. Yeah. I actually had a guy tell me the other day, he said, "He said, oh, we we've taught our people, they keep attendance at church because we taught our people the church is the biggest priority. Mm-hmm. Don't be putting your family before. Church. And I was like,
1: yeah. Oh no! I don't oh want yeah. Your
2: kids wiling out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So that yeah, that's the basis of the process.
0: Yeah, the I, I, what you're talking about is Luke 10:27, which I'm sure I learned from you as well. So, and it's, um, you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself, and love each other. So, implied in there is that you can't love anyone until you love God and you can't love anyone until you've actually strengthened your mind and your heart and your soul and if you don't know what's at work within those things then it's going to bleed out into other areas of your life and so until I can establish who I am in God and and have a confidence in that and what my purpose is and what my identity is if I look to someone else we say this often like Jerry Maguire was wrong like she does not complete you he does not complete you mm-hmm. we should never put that burden on another person we're putting burden on human flesh what which is flawed um, and imperfect instead of looking to God for that definition. And, and really, that's what can happen when we're looking at loyalty. Like so often we hear like, oh, I just got married. And then he became someone completely different. And what's that work within you that made that happen, that you aren't actually sure about yourself? You don't have a love for yourself. And now it's not that you're uh, rejecting or um, turning against the person who you're married with but there's something in you that keeps you from believing that you are actually receiving the love that they're trying to extend to you and so you can enter into that loyalty bond too like someone's trying to be loyal and give you their loyal and faithfulness and yet there's something at work within you that makes you believe maybe that isn't true and I know Sean in your upbringing you have uh quite a bit of that, just like I do. And so talk, talk about that in terms of, here's this woman who wants to be loyal to me. What was that play that kept that from happening in the first 13 years that we had to work on?
2: When we went through counseling, most of our conflict was about how I felt like she was treating me. Mm-hmm. First of all, once you've been through journey, you understand that you're arrested in development. I was arrested in development. I was just a little kid on the inside. I was trying to portray myself as I was grown, but I wasn't grown. And every woman in my life was filtered through the first woman in my life. Mm. It has to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I didn't realize how unhealthy my mother was until I started to get around healthy people. Right. And so when I got around sunny my natural thought process was that she was I don't want to say she was out to get me.
0: Mm.
2: She she was assuming I was up to something. Mm. And if I ever got caught by her, I was gonna be disciplined. So make sure you cover your tracks. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And every once in a while you're gonna get caught and you're gonna get beat. But there's some things that you can endure Right. There was something... Listen, being a kid, I knew that there was... If I got caught, I was going to get tore up. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? But I'm going to be able to do this for... You know, this, this uh, risk reward. What is this like? <laughs> right. And so then, when we went through this idea of identifying where your trauma is, one of the things that was used as a tool in that was to say, this is my wife and not my mother. This is my wife and not my mother. This is not my mom. Right. And at times... I would have to tell myself very intentionally, this is not my mother. First of all, she didn't grow up like my mother. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't give my mother enough credit. Mm -hmm. Like my mom, man, she went through it, like through it. I mean, like bad, bad. And if I weigh it on the same scale that she weighed it on, yeah, like she did a good job. Like Mm -hmm. nobody raped me. Better. Mm -hmm. Nobody raped me. Nobody. Mm. And that was like the big litmus test, you know, growing up. But then I have this relationship with this woman who was doing the best that she could with what she had.
0: Right.
2: But I wasn't giving credit to the woman I chose that she was doing the best that she could with what she had. Mm Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is that what she had was so much better than what the one that I was given had. Mm -hmm. God blessed me with a mama who had been through trauma because he knew... (laughs) uh, He knew that I was going to need... somebody to hold that rudder.
0: Yeah.
2: Who... (laughs) who could see the logs in the river ahead. He couldn't give me June Cleaver because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. My life was hard, not just because of my parents. My life was hard in spite of my parents. And had I not had a woman who had some scars. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: my mom, I'm going to tell you right now, um, she was not easy on us. I had a teacher one time who uh, who pushed my brother off a chair. Man, my mom went off. Yeah. She walked into the school, into the classroom, and this dude was like 6'2", 240-pound bodybuilder music teacher, mm. Mr. Walls. My mom's like five. Three. Mm-hmm, and she maybe. walked up in that room and everybody in the school was like, Oh, did you see Miss Hennessy came in school? She's about to whip <laughs> Mr. Walls. <laughs> and I was like, for real, I think she was about to whip Mr. Walls' tail. So it was like the at the same time, she was like, she was trying to guide us and defend us. And so then when I look at this person, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't like that's the person God gave me. Mm-hmm. But that's not the person I chose. Right. I chose someone who had different seed.
0: Right.
2: And oh, this, the seed that she had was a seed of greatness.
0: Yeah.
2: So, so like my mom had a seed of protection.
0: Right.
2: Um, but Sonny had been given a seed of greatness that God then needed to sow in me through her because God, God had plans for me to survive.
0: Mm-hmm
2: to a certain point.
0: Right.
2: And then and then he had a pivot point for me. Yeah. Where he wanted me to stop surviving and start thriving. And so he had to put someone in my path yes. who could then take the rudder from my mom mm-hmm. and could then navigate me through different waters that that had different challenges. Yeah. And what's interesting is that she had a mom and a dad who had to hold the rudder for her. Mm-hmm. Who had to get her to a place of preparation where now I go, now, wait a minute. My destiny is tied to this person. And why would I not submit myself to the process mm-hmm. that God had had planned for me that's why God said that two shall become one, because right. when, when God was in heaven looking at the plan for my life, and like I said, I don't believe that there's one person for everyone. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing, I, I could have went to school, I could have chosen anywhere that I wanted to go to school, right. and I would have had to have met somebody else. But when when I made the decision to go to this school, and Sonny made the decision to go to this school, it was like God saw 17 billion years ago, God was like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. wait, just watch. Watch when Sean and Sonny meet. Watch the diverging of destinies that I create Mm
0: -hmm.
2: between these two people. Right. And why would I be so arrogant as to think that I know more than God to say, hey, why do you treat me like that? Right. Why do you talk to me like that? Right. Well, let's just be honest from the guy's perspective. Number one, sometimes grow up, mm. put your little video game down, mm. make a dinner reservation. See, we love we love to treat th- this is in a misogynistic. <laughs> and here it comes. <laughs> in a misogynistic culture, we love to hold women to different standards. Mm. We love to act like listen listen cat she was not put on this earth to rub your feet.
0: Mm.
2: She was put on this earth to hold up your arms. Yeah. And but we want to act like like we can do whatever we want to do like we can act like a little kid. Mm-hmm. This is I'm just, I'm telling you we're in a a culture of men who are acting like boys mm-hmm. who who we are afraid to tell you need to grow your butt up. And the reason why some of the and this isn't an overgeneralization because this isn't true in every situation. But the reason why some marriages aren't working is because you are being raised by someone, and that's not their choice. That's yours. Mm. She didn't ask you to buy the PlayStation, whatever number they're on right now, and sit on Madden. And I get it. You wanted to play in the league. You wasn't good enough. So now move Mm. on with your life Mm. And have some loyalty to this person who has just committed. She carried your baby Mm. in her belly. She gave gave you life. And so this idea of loyalty is such a hard road to get to Mm -hmm. that because we hold unrealistic expectations. I'm just going to talk from the man's point of view. We hold unrealistic expectations upon the woman that God blessed us
0: with. Hmm. Wow! I, I just so much there, um, but really, it's really what we were talking about in our our conference today. Uh, from this day forward, which will be available online. If you're um, wondering what that is and want to uh, hear about these concepts, it's really that marriage is revealing. Like it reveals our weaknesses and our strengths, mm-hmm. right? And so I just, I just love that you know you just heard this introspection of. When I walk through my journey, when I walk through my story, then I'm able to look back with compassion and empathy on the people Mm. who really impacted me. And what were they doing? What did they have? And were they doing the best that they could with what they had? Did they give me the best of them? with what they had at the time and for you know Sean's mom that was protection protection in a place where quite honestly it wasn't always safe for him to go to school or interact and so there's defenses that we uh, naturally establish and those defenses you think well they still need to be in operation wherever I go especially when I'm in transition into something uh new but what's beautiful about marriage is that marriage is actually the place where you have this like commitment, this loyalty that should provide you with the comfort, the safety and security, the trust where you can actually see these things um come up in you. When you are actually in a relationship where you feel that there is enough comfort, security and trust, what will happen is these things that are in you that are not well, that God didn't intend for you to carry into the future or, in, or going forward will start to come up in you. Why? Because you were made for healing. And so you weren't made to actually just learn how to cope with these things. If you've been released from counseling and someone said, now you know how to cope, know that those are temporary and artificial Mm -hmm. and God created you for a healing. So these things come up in us in a place where we actually have comfort and safety and security, that there is a trust and a love. And so now you're being invited into sometimes involuntarily, because I can tell you these things came up in me and I was just like terrified. I was just like, what is happening? I mean, I've kept my cool. I've kept things under control. I've kept things under the surface, I put them away, shoved them away, thought that I dealt with them, um, thought that I had buried them. But what we learn is that things that we bury take root and they grow. And so they were coming up when I was feeling safe enough, yep. loved enough in a place where they could grow. And it's almost devastating because it's like, no, no. Not with the one I chose, not with the one who I want to see the best of me, and yet this is God going. Now you have the opportunity for both of you to heal and grow, and to live in the wholeness and the calling and the purpose that I called each of you to. Not that you both succumb or just give it in, and, and someone loses their identity to the other. That's not what He's talking about. We're talking about a side by side working in tandem and juncture with someone else without any crack or break in that. I don't need to look back to see if you. Got got my back. I trust and know that you got my back no matter what. And that comes through the difficulty of conflict.
1: Well, and you said, intim- uh, we think of intimacy as like, oh, we'll talk about marriage, communication, blah, 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 and intimacy. And we think we're talking sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. You just said it. Um, why is it that I'm now having these things I'm dealing with with yes. someone that I'm the most intimate with? Well, that's what intimacy is. Yeah. Intimacy is, it's a safe place. And intimacy is, I'm so intimate with this person. They know the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's when you know you're actually intimate with someone. You can have mm-hmm. sex with someone you are or aren't married to. And mm-hmm. it's, it, that's where it stops. That's it. Yeah. Intimacy can be totally non-sexual, yeah. but you intimately know me that yeah. I can say to Sean, wow, like this happened. And I thought I dealt with this before and I'm 40 something that I won't admit. And I sound like I'm 13 again. And he can he can hear it now while I, what I will say, and we're, our life is a plug for journey to wholeness mm-hmm. because it saved our marriage. Uh, you have to speak the same language. Now I can say to Sean, I was journeying today. That's right. not his cue to fix me. That's his right. cue to listen to what I'm journeying through because I just realized this relationship went south. I feel like I'm back at 13 and being rejected mm-hmm. and he can just hear it. He can, we can use even the same language. That's intimacy. And yeah. so even when people are like, well, he's going to get counseling or I'm going to get counseling. You right now are not on an intimate playing field when one is getting help and the other isn't. Right. Uh, so both need to go through it and preferably at the same time.
0: Yeah, I mean, what you're you're talking about here is really, when we talk about intimacy, uh, the scripture, uh, Genesis 2, 24, 25, talks about we are naked and unashamed, and Mm. we hear naked, and we're like, physical nakedness. Mm -hmm. And what we mean is emotional, mental, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, spiritual nakedness that I will... in vulnerability, in intimacy, reveal all of these things to you so that you can come alongside, not to fix me, but that you can recognize and validate and attune to me that you will be my helpmate, my companion, my partner in this. And that there's very little words we need right now when we see someone being triggered or when we see them going down a path, I can just say, it's not this. And I don't have to have a whole conversation because we've taking the time to do the work ourselves and then communicate that to one another. Let me share the things that I've discovered because again, we want to be on the same page so that we can join each other in this because we're doing this together as one, but we're also like our biggest cheerleaders. We're the biggest support. We're the biggest accountability partner for all of the things in us that also are being corrected um, and being brought to healing and wholeness between us.
1: Mm Yeah, Sean said it earlier in the conference. He said that um, in marriage, sometimes it's who wins, who loses, and I'm going to win that fight. Or, but if you know if Sean loses and I win, I still lose because Sean lost. Mm-hmm. And if two become one, my loyalty—if you want to be selfish about it—loyalty, full loyalty, is being loyal to yourself and being good to yourself. Because right. if my loyalty wants Sean to win, even though I want to win more myself. But I'm like, we are in a win-win when we're in marriage. Mm -hmm. That is like next level loyalty. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And that doesn't mean that you're always minimizing or conceding. What that means is we're having continued conversation as to, one, I want you to win out. I came beside you. I came with your purpose because I saw something in you that was good. And I thought together we would be able to accomplish and conquer all these things together. And I have to remember that when it gets hard, that what are we actually working toward? Are we working toward a resolution together so that we can be strengthened together? Or am I on my own agenda? Mm-hmm. Or am I feeling hurt or exposed? And so now I'm actually revolting against your agenda. That's an even bigger problem. And yet... And yet That's exactly what we experience, right? Because we're being challenged with, yes, we said these things, but how does that play out practically in the day-to-day? How do I live this out then for you and with you? And so maybe talk about some of those examples of, you know, what were like some pressure points? Like here was like a big obstacle that we found that we realized was an opportunity, but it was like, man, that one was the one that we had to work on because that was the first um, roadblock that we encountered when it came to being on each other's side.
1: I think you can expand on this if you want, but uh, it was really revealing in a counseling session when we were in the midst of our first 13 years and it was rough. We'd probably been married 10 at that point. And... um, we went to the counselor, and and you know I was saying Sean doesn't says he doesn't need me, and Sean, you know it's mm-hmm. like he's got his own life. It feels like, and there's times he doesn't even want to drive to the office that we both work at together, and like I don't understand. Like, and my love language is quality time. Mm-hmm. So to me, him having more of an independent life felt like he doesn't love me. So, and Sean's like, that's just not true. I love her, I chose her. He was like, I don't understand how you can't know how much I love you. And so the counselor took a piece of paper and he said, Sean, draw, a like it, he drew like a tank, like a round holder of water. He said, fill this up to the level of how much love you feel like you had um, when you came into the marriage. Like how much love did you have as a child? How full is your was your love tank? And Sean, like at the very bottom, drew a line. I mean, it looked like a gas tank on empty. And then he said, Sonny, and he gave me a different sheet. He said, where's yours? And mine was like overflowing. Like at the top, like, can I make the water come out? Mm -hmm. Like, I just have some, and he goes, (laughs) he goes, Sean, do you feel like you love her more than anybody else on earth? He said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me, he goes, that's how much he has to give you though. He's giving you every drop Mm -hmm. he has. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're crying over here. You guys can't see it. But Sean did. And then me. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be a rough one. (laughs) All the pauses are um, catching our breath. Okay, you go, Sean. I mean, I think that was a defining moment for me. Mm -hmm.
2: I think another one is when we went to a different counselor and and he said to me, Sean, she just wants to know that you need her.
0: Mm.
2: And I said, I don't need her.
0: Yeah.
2: And he was like, (laughs) oh! (laughs) <laughs> Gasp, take the air out the room. And I said, I know how to wash my own clothes. Yeah. I can grill a cheese sandwich. I don't, I'm not going to die. Like, if I don't have her, I'm not going to die. Mm. And, he, and I was like, but I want her. Mm. To me, that was better. It was mm-hmm. better that I wanted her than I needed her. But see, we speak different languages. Mm-hmm. All of us, we mm-hmm. all speak different And what yeah. you
1: just described earlier, now I, in that context, I go, oh my gosh, he chose me. Mm-hmm. But you know, 15, 16 years ago, I he said the same thing. That's mm. how he views it. Like what you choose is big. Right. Well, he didn't need me. And what I heard, because I didn't have context and I had my own wounds where people would throw me away or in my head, right. yeah, they don't need me. So they're done with me. When he said, I don't need her, all I saw was rejection or soon- right. Impending rejection. Here's the right. thing.
2: If I needed her, watch this. If I <laughs> needed her, then if she died tomorrow, mm.
1: Mm. I
2: would have to find someone else mm. Mm. because that whatever void she was filling is now vacant.
0: Right.
2: If she, you can put this in the vault and keep this for the next 30 years. If Sonny died tomorrow, I'm not getting remarried. Mm because I don't want someone else.
0: Mm.
2: I want unless they can clone her. <laughs> I will I would rather be alone than be with someone lesser than. Mm. There will be a void that is left by her that no matter who you put in that void. There will be a deficiency in that void, which will be unfair to that person, because then I would hold them to a different standard. I would hold them to the sunny standard. And I mean, I don't think that people can fill the sunny standard while she's here. How in the hell are they going to fill it (laughs) when she's gone? So to me, like I go, that's the difference between need and want. I don't need a woman in my life. Mm -hmm. I'm a grown man. yeah. I have a driver's license and they let me vote. But I want what she brings to me because although she doesn't complete me, she sure enough compliments me. Mm. She makes me better. I just, I
0: just love how you're displaying here like we're speaking a different language right your experience Sunny told you that unless someone needed me they would discard me and so unless he's gonna need me and so you're trying and and toiling and struggling to try to fill a need and make him need you for things and he's like I will never want to need you because I don't want to put that pressure on you because I want you which has so much more significance mm-hmm. for him and yet how we cannot hear that because it's shaded by our perspective yes. and our experiences so missing it we're missing it over and over how someone's trying to express their love and loyalty and faithfulness to us and we're like but you don't do it this way and so we are looking a different direction missing out on this full like field of love and blessing and gifts that are available to us because we haven't changed the dial on that a little bit we haven't acknowledged that there's something else at play in me and actually it was greater than and so when we talk about loyalty it's what did you have a greater loyalty to so Some of the trouble, I know not all of it, was that your loyalty was to the fact that this is my experience and this is what happens when someone does not need me.
1: Oh yeah, we get loyal to the phrases that are in our mind. We yes. get loyal to how we were brought up. The experiences That's why the leave and cleave had. is more than where are you going to spend Christmas mm-hmm. now that you're married. It is a leaving a mindset. There are people that on, on just the spiritual and the biblical sense, they need to leave the belief system of how they were raised because right. it's it's sinful. Yep. It's ungodly. It is. You can't have what your mom said or your dad said trump what the Bible says and God says. So, and that mm-hmm. is a sever yeah. mm-hmm. that we see people not able to do and the more steeped in a familial culture which depends on the part of the country or probably the part of the world you are your family has been put on this pedestal which is why our family gets number five on our list yeah not isaiah and aubrey but our other family they, I love them. And, I, and like Sean said in the beginning, our kids are gonna get to the point where we have to release them that we're not as important in two years than as we are right now to them. And I hate that, right. but I have to do it because if there's something, even though we're pastors, if there's something that's standing in the way of mm. how they view Jesus, so I hope they disconnect from that yeah. part that is catching them. Yeah. And holding them up on Jesus because they have to leave and sever the family dynamic if it doesn't line up with the Bible. I
2: think there's a difference between loyalty uh, and necessity. So there's going to come a time where we're less necessary to them. Mm -hmm. So so they're just going to they're going to have to fill that with the other person, right? Mm. So they fill that with their wife because they've graduated, they've aged, they've matured to a point where as much as they still are connected to us, they there is a necessity for a different form of a relationship that God never designed us mm-hmm. to fill. And I think people show loyalty in different ways too, right? Now I'm right. a big loyalty guy, like mm-hmm. where, you know, where you we grew up, but it's like, you got, it's life or death loyalty. Right. And, but I think there are people that show loyalty behind closed doors that, that other people don't see. And this is a very trade example. Mm. Sonny and I spend a lot of time apart because we travel and we do different things. And we wear a lot of different hats. When Sonny's not with me, I don't sleep in the middle of the bed.
0: Mm.
2: I sleep in my spot. Mm-hmm. I'm on the left side of the bed. Mm-hmm. And I don't sleep on the right side of the bed. Now, here's the thing. Why would I fill that void with someone else if I'm not even willing to fill it with myself? Now I haven't always had that mentality. Yeah. But but it's this graduation of how you view that person as the compl- as the complementation of who you are. Right. So again, do I need her? Will I die if I don't have her? I will say this, I won't be all of who I am without mm-hmm. her. Why? Mm-hmm. Because now one becomes two. Two becomes one because I lost her. Mm-hmm. Right. So two became one when we got married. Yep. But if we but if we lose that relationship, you have then just been surgically spliced in half. Yeah. And you are half of who you were meant to be. Mm. So you were you were never all of who you were meant to be because mm. God always unless you stay single the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And but when God, when you chose to come together in that right. marital union, right. the two of you were bound together. The, bound with, a like it cannot be broken. And I think that the the vow, it says, and I pledge to you my faith Mm -hmm. and my loyalty. Mm -hmm. You can't have loyalty without some sort of faith. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when our relationship changed, I mean, really changed, is when I made a determination that I was empty, of my faith. Mm. And so I was a pastor in name, but not in heart. So it was my job, but it wasn't who I was. And so when we got separated, we used to would say, hey, the only reason that we're still married is because we're in the ministry. And mm-hmm. if we got a divorce, there's not a lot that a pastor can do when he's like when the, we, right. we're, we don't have very many marketable skills. <laughs> Our degree is in Bible. So what else are we going to do? <laughs> so we would always say, well, the reason that we're not going to get a divorce, I bet you we're only still married because we're in the ministry. If we weren't in the ministry, we would. So guess what? She left me. I left the ministry. Yeah. And when and when we, when we she said it in uh, the Unseminary podcast with Rich Birch was such a brilliant line. She said, I divorced the ministry, separated from the ministry as much as I separated from Sean. And so when we separated from the ministry, we realized, no, we're not married because of the ministry. We're, you know. And so, so when I was separated from Sonny, I made a conscious decision that I wanted to figure out who Jesus was. Mm. They told me who he was in Bible college. Mm-hmm. But now I'm by myself. I don't have a job. I got plenty of time. I hadn't read the whole Bible to that point. I read the whole book in 90 days. Mm -hmm. And it was like this awakening within me that made me say for the rest of my life, the one thing I want people to know about me is I spend time with Jesus every day. Mm -hmm. I want my kids to see me. I want Sonny to see me. I want them to know, no, I'm a morning guy so i want I want people to know. If you want to know where I'm at at the morning, then just look for the Holy Spirit because him and I are together.
1: Yeah. Well, we look for your bald head, and without fail, <laughs> I can look over my toes out into the other room and I, oh, there he is sitting with this. yeah, and, but can I bring this? but and I don't know how much time we have left in the podcast, but this is even outside of marriage, but it trumps marriage. It's the God first, then the, ourselves, then the spouse. Um, so this is the top of the five. So this this doesn't have to do with marriage because it supersedes it. But loyalty and pledging, um, intimacy, all of this comes together when Sean talks about if I were to die, he is one, he would become two because there would be a split of that. Mm. This is why God called the church his bride. That's why he said that marriage is like a relationship with him and... He is wanting to become one with us. We don't recognize the power of that, Mm. the statement. And that's why the enemy goes against our marriages because it's the representation of us and God together in an intimate, he already knows. He knows more than we let out to our spouse. He knows the deepest thought, so he is one with us when we accept him, we really become one with him and the severing or the, when that, so when my relationship with Jesus dies, which people go through that, oh yeah, I was raised this way. They come back because they realize it's like I got a limb cut off. No, yeah. I've got half of me cut off because I was one with God, because he promises that. Now I am back to, I'm on my own.
2: Yeah,
1: It's powerful when you really think about well,
2: it. Well, when you when you come back to the pledge, you say, I pledge to you my faith mm-hmm. and my loyalty. Mm-hmm. That is me promising you, if right. you say those words, that is me promising to you that I am going to have a firm foundation, that I am going to build my relationship with Jesus. And the more that I build my relationship with Jesus, the more rebar it puts in, the more mesh it puts in, the yeah. more firm the yeah. foundation becomes so that so that I can become more loyal because as I become more loyal to him, right. then naturally I become more loyal to her. Yes. As I become more loyal to her, naturally I become more loyal to my kids. And then that it grows this generational blessing right. rather than living our lives where we say, well, I'm going to focus focus on my marriage. Well, here's the thing, if you got a bad marriage, I bet you, I bet you your faith is shaky. Right,
1: yeah. It's the faith that builds the pledge, yep. which the pledge is really a covenant and the covenant, mm-hmm. it has to be strong. You talked about it. This isn't yeah. a contract. This it, is right. why people are like, I don't believe in that. What's a paper? Right. Yeah, because you don't think that marriage is a covenant. Right. It's a covenant, it's the right. pledge. You're looking
0: for yes. the evidence for the backup so that you can initiate the clause of termination. Yes here if this whatever I've heard it I've said it if this whatever happened this would be the end mm-hmm. right and it's this protecting of your own heart but what you're both describing here is really how do we weave our lives together how does it become that it's unthinkable to us that even in the hard times even in 13 years for you guys for us we always say 10 I, I haven't actually like gone through the years but it felt like a good 10 where we were just man we were wrestling it out it was tough it, it were late nights because um, we believed in the don't go to bed until <laughs> you know, don't go to bed um, on your anger. <laughs> and and so, man, we were tired, and then our cognitive ability was dissipating as the hours went on. And we had Ruben would always get up for work at five in the morning, and I had to, and just all the ways that we were just like, mm. <sighs> it's exhausting. Just limiting ourselves. And it was exhausting. And yet, like, that's where the weaving happened. And I know Mm. that there's someone out there going like, at what point, like, how did you keep in it? Because it gets rough. Like, I mean, I have the scars for sure. And Ruben has the scars. I know you guys do. Like, I can show you some scars of things that we went through. But for us, I think it's just, we learned to stop looking at each other to do the things for each other. And we started looking at the one who could. Mm. And I don't know that you can talk about faith in each other without talking about, faith in God. We don't know what faith is. We don't know what love is. We don't know any of these things. If we truly don't have an understanding of who God is and how he views us versus how we think We're viewed right and or how we were treated and so we let that determine who we think or how lovable we are if we can't get a clear like we can't cleanse the lens of our perspective to look through the eyes of God and get Christ's mind on it so that we can see how he sees us once you do that like man that is a great place to live in like it takes a little while for you to adjust and acclimate to that especially if your upbringing didn't tell you those things and then it's like you just want to give it out you just become that person who's like let me tell you about someone and something and how it changed everything. And I think for both of our stories, it, it was really that. So I mean, the last question really is like, how did you know this was the person? This is more fun, uh, but how did you know that that was the person for you? And I think we should weave it into, you know, what is it that kept you? Like, why didn't you just quit when it got really hard? Mm.
1: Why didn't you just quit? Well, I'm glad you asked the question that I could answer what I was really wanting to say next anyway, which was even when you talk about the 10 years and ours was 13, it's like what Sean said earlier about the rudder. If we can look at the first 10 years as not a failure and Sean and I cannot look at it as a failure and he can look at how he was raised and say, wow, I see that I learned protection and I learned fortitude in it. And we can look at the struggle. And even when we're in it, we can say, this is actually in intertwining, it's weaving us together. Sean and I, we didn't even have to consciously say we've been through so much. We might as well stick it out. We had been through so much. We had lost a child, which the statistics, as you said, eighty percent of marriages right. end after we lost. We lost a miss with a miscarriage and a full grown, full birth mm-hmm. baby yeah. who lived eighteen days. It wasn't even like eh, we might as well. It's like. I don't know how I'll ever connect with someone to this level because we have fought it out, because right. we have been intimate, which doesn't always look pretty. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's painful. And we were so woven together that he was my best friend even when I hated him more than anything in the world. Yeah. He, I, I needed him. I I was in love with him. Uh, so there, and I'll, I'll end with this. There was someone who just told us that this is in church ministry, that if you can get over the 10 year mark, Mm. which we Mm. hear in marriage at the seven year mark. So I think some people are like, we're on year eight and we still are having a terrible marriage. Keep going, took us 13. If our expectation can be, it's not a year or two to figure it out. No, it can be a long time. I mean, you could do things like journey to wholeness makes it easier, Mm -hmm. but um, he said that if you can just get over 10 years, if you can just get over that hump, and we're like, what? And right. we're coming up on 10 years at being at Life Church and everything happens quicker with us and quicker with Life Church. But I feel like we got over a hump called the pandemic that we mm-hmm. didn't ask for. Right. And I'm like, ooh, I feel like when you like are in a boat or in a plane and it's the rough climb out of the water or into the air. And then you get into the you just smooth sail. I feel like we had a couple years where it was like, can we keep doing this? And now it's like smooth. It feels like we're in the pocket. Yeah, and there's a point where you now are woven together, and you f- feel yourself in the pocket. Yeah, that's so good.
2: Well, for me to answer your question, and that was really so good, especially from somebody who flies. And you just go, I actually made a determination on my flights. This is a this is an aside note. You're gonna people are gonna find out when you put Sean and Sonny on a podcast together. You better watch your time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we're probably over.
2: <laughs> uh, we've been flying a lot. And it's been rough, lots of rough flights. I don't know mm-hmm. if the weather has changed because Jesus is to come back. So it's got like the little mm. current is coming in already. Mm. So we're getting waves
1: Worse in than ever. the air
2: like he's about to come. But uh, I actually made a determination the other day. I was like, uh, I ain't even going to sweat these planes no more. I ain't going to die in a plane crash. God isn't done with me yet. It's mm. like, you know what? I'm cool. You know. So same thing in life. It's like, God's not done with me yet. Why am I going to trip over some turbulence? Mm. Say ain't nothing but bumps. Good. Everybody else, pe- people who don't have hope are going crazy. Like they're losing their mind. I've been on planes where people, will scream. Ah! Like, man, <laughs> just chill, man. That dude's been to school to fly this thing. It's not your-
1: We're in the air. We're not, not, your, not hitting your, trees. Not uncle, <laughs> un-
2: uncle Debo up there who's, just put down the spatula. Like this is a professional- Pilot. So to come back to answer your uh, question, I knew the minute I saw Sunny. Yeah. I was in the cafeteria at school, and she walked in, and Sunny has the most incredible legs to this day. <laughs> she's incredible legs. Her calves are just like a legend. If I had They're her legendary. Calves, <laughs> if I had her calves, I would have been somebody. Like she's just... And she walked in the room and it was like the room just like, like it just slowed down. And I looked at the guy next to me, his name's Dave Ferguson. We just called him Sarge. I said, I'm going to marry that girl. And he goes, what's her name? I go, I don't know. I've never met her before. He goes, you probably should find out her name if you're going to get married to her. And I was just like, and, and so that was the thing. Like that was when I knew I couldn't explain it. I didn't know it. Yeah. And, but then how did we stay together mm-hmm. is that Sunny was everything I wasn't.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: She had all of the qualities that I wished I had, mm. that, that life had stolen from me. Mm. She had a wide-eyed wonder and joy and an outlook on life. Like if there's one word that could sum up Sunny's view of life, it's this.
0: Whee! <laughs> the technical term. <laughs> and
2: I just was like, I, and now here's the thing. Why did we have problems throughout our marriage? Because the very thing that I wanted yes. in her, mm-hmm. I couldn't get in me. Yeah. And so then it made me mad that she had it yep. and I couldn't have it yep. rather than me saying, well, why don't I just use hers? I don't even need to have my own. Right. Sometimes you don't need your own joy. You need somebody else to have some joy. Yeah. Sometimes you don't need your own hope. You need to have somebody else's hope. That's, That's the why benefit. The Bible says that you're not supposed to walk around like it's not good for man to be alone. Right. Because you don't always have everything that you need. And right. so everything where I was deficient, she had that. Right. And I think in some, some form or fashion, whatever it was that I had, she probably wanted— to have in her life. I have never lacked in confidence. I'll tell you that right now. I will. There's nothing <laughs> that we can't do. And then when you take those two things together, man, we're like the Wonder Twins. Yes. Which, by the way, they're making a Wonder Twins movie. You <laughs> know, Really? You better watch your mouth. I'm oh ready to gosh. Wonder Twin powers yeah, activate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, activate.
0: Activate. Of. activate,
2: man. That used to be my jam, and so I've always kind of looked at Sunny and I like we're the Wonder Twins. Yeah. You know who the Wonder Twins are without each other? Yeah. Weak. <laughs>
1: Not yeah. anything.
2: You watch that old cartoon. They yeah. ain't nothing but two kids. Yeah. But when you put those two together, they are more powerful than Superman.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, opposites attract, but they can also polarize. Oh, and during the thing, the conference that, today,
1: you were talking. You mm, said opposites attract, and I looked at Sean. I'm from polarize. a ranch. He's from mm. the inner city. Why?
0: You saw something good mm-hmm. in each other that was desirable. That you knew that if you got alongside with them, mm-hmm. that person, they had the qualities that you needed, so that you could subdue the earth, mm-hmm. right? So that you could accomplish every good work that God had seated in you and he knew all along the way he intersects us and helps us to find one another and find each other at just the right moment to change the trajectory of your life is just (laughs) i'm in awe and wonder every single time so i love that you ended there because i think in our relationships we always have to end everything all the things that we go through here's what it comes to. Do you still have the hope? Do you remember who that person was when you saw them walk into the room and all of the bells and whistles went off? The song started playing in your head and you started envisioning the future that you could have if you could get with that person. That's what we need to get back to throughout every one of these different vows that we take. Can we remain there? Can we return there? Can we uh, talk about it together and actually dream again and envision all of the potential that is available um, in us and to us and with us when we can work through these hard places uh, and really allow our our life and our relationship to grow so that it actually reflects the glory of God and His plan for redemption on this earth. Mm -hmm. We have a unique opportunity to do that. So Mm -hmm. I just want to end with this scripture because I think it's really the crux of what we've been talking about Um, and it's a Ecclesiastes 49. Two better two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one fails, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And I love that for my husband uh, and I, this is what we've taken to heart, that we have each other's back. Mm -hmm. And so even though we've wrestled through some stuff, because we've wrestled, through some things we have a confidence i don't even need to look back i know he's right there he's got me and that's the benefit of marriage so Mm -hmm. thank you guys for being here today thank you thank you for closing out this series with us Uh, you can listen to all of the podcasts uh installments for this series Uh, there's also uh, resources that we have available to you just visit j2wholeness.org there's all kinds of events and resources and uh, groups and classes that you can sign up for at any time that will help you in your journey to wholeness thanks thanks for joining us for our relationship series Do you have a question you'd like us to address on the podcast? Email us at becky at j2wholeness.org. The letter J, the number two, wholeness.org. Please rate, review, and share this podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at j2wholeness. The Whole Podcast is a production of Journey to Wholeness, a program designed to equip you to face life's challenges. For more information about online resources, in-person groups, intensives, and retreats, visit our website at j2wholeness.org. The letter J, the number two, wholeness.org.